Coffee with the Coastie is brought to you by On the Coast Publications, the publishing house for On the Coast families and On the Coast over 55 community magazines on the central coast of New South Wales. Welcome to Coffee with the Coastie. Today I'm sitting down to chat with Elizabeth Long. Elizabeth took up creative textile art in the 70s as a hobby and now at 82, Liz, as she is known by her friends, decided a few years ago, and these are her own words, that she would be the one who died with the least amount of fabric stash. So Liz began making beautiful items from her leftover fabrics, making everything from masks to quilts to tea cozies. Liz over the years has won prizes in the Quilters Guild of New South Wales for her textile art pieces. And now Elizabeth wants to inspire others to pick up whatever it is that interests them later in life and start doing it. So it is with great pleasure that I get to sit down and chat with Elizabeth to share her story. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. So thank you for inviting me to your home, Liz. I've read that you are a Dutch-born Australian. Do you mind sharing where you were born and how you came to settle on the Central Coast? Yes, I was born in Amsterdam during the war years and my mum and dad and my sister and I migrated to Australia in 1947 and I was brought up as a Bronte Beach girl and moving to the Central Coast. Later in life, was it? Yes, yes. Um, I had remarried and we were the only white English-speaking people living in Randwick at the time and we had visited Niall's brother on the Central Coast and we absolutely loved it. So we decided after a bit of thinking that we also would move up to the Central Coast. And that was around 2000 and, oh, I've forgotten exactly. Or it might have been the late 1990s anyway. We've yeah. been here for a long time now. I mentioned in the intro that you took up creative textile art in the 70s as a hobby. Can you talk about how you got into textile art in the 70s? Yes, just after Noel and I had married, which was in the early 80s, um, I'd always been doing a lot of embroidery, needlework and that type of thing to keep myself busy. And I was made redundant in my job. To make myself more widely experienced, I decided I would go to TAFE College and extend my knowledge of needlework. I'd been to a wonderful TAFE exhibition at Hornsby and I saw the work of an Australian Dutch artist, Annemieke Mean, whose work I just fell in love with. And I wanted to learn everything I could about three-dimensional soft sculpture and that was when I started doing my certificate. What were you doing in the 70s then? In when... the 70s, I was doing creative hand embroidery rather than the machining that I specialise in now. Yeah. Um, after being invited to join a specialised group in the Embroiderers Guild of New South Wales. And I exhibited a lot of things there, but I won no prizes until I swapped to free machine embroidery, which I do now. It's not computerised work, it's experience in certain techniques, and that's what I love. And what were you doing as work when you got made redundant? I was doing secretarial work, which was pretty boring, but it brought the money in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, so therefore, the textile yes, art is yes, a hobby. Yes. That's right. So many years later, what is it that started and inspired you to um, 
now start to pull out your fabric stash um, and how long had it been since you created something? While I was in Sydney, a lot of my work was exhibited in boutiques and art galleries. And when Noel and I moved to the Central Coast, that stopped. That was roughly the time that I started making things and realised people loved it because it was different to what other people were doing. But he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he died in 2014. And I really had not been doing anything creative since then because I felt very flat. Mm. Then along came COVID and I'm stuck at home, not wanting to go to the shops and pick up all the germs. So I decided to use the fabric stash that I had in my cupboard. And I think in the last three years, I have made probably hundreds of things, all varying sizes, which is a heck of a lot more than I would have done in all the years together previously. Oh, wow. Even back when you were putting stuff on display and stuff when you are in Sydney? I think so because they took a lot more time yeah. and you went out and you bought things because you then had the money to spend. Um, and if it was a certain subject that you had to follow, you did it. But when I'm at home creating things now, it's I look at the fabric and the fabric talks to me and I think, yes, I could do that or I could do something different, lateral thinking. Yeah. Depends on the colours. I love the Aussie outback colours. Yeah. I love the oceans, the beaches. As opposed to back when you were in Sydney, you were making something... For a purpose. For a purpose. Like you were, you were make, you're trying to find the fabric for the, yes. for the, for the yes. art rather yes. than... Exactly right. Creating now, something from what you had. Now I use what I've got. And that means sometimes I'll cut up a man's Hawaiian shirt. Sometimes I'll cut up... Hopefully Wally hasn't got it on. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I will use table mats or serviettes from Bali, something that will go with something else from that same country. And as long as it's cotton, you can use it in a, a quilt. Yeah. And a quilt isn't only for covering a bed. A quilt can be a beautiful ornament for a wall yeah. or anything, really, wrapping a baby in, yeah. putting a, a child to play on on the, on the ground at a picnic area. Yeah. It's just beautiful things put together. All my work is done on my sewing machine. I've got carpal tunnel and I can no longer do handwork. So everything is done by machine. But nobody's ever complained. They, they like it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 I've seen your fabric stash, and there's a fair bit of fabric now. It's I'm a gonna, mess, isn't I'm it? I'm going to guess that yes. you were trying to get rid of the least. I'm going to guess that more fabric's been added to that stash. No, no, since. no. Is that still what you're depleting? That's not something, like say, the stuff you had that you're still going through and you haven't grown that fabric stash since you've started over the last three years and gone and got more stuff to no, be able to add to it? No, I haven't. The, the only thing that I've purchased was fluffy material, for cuddly knee rugs Mm. or maybe wadding to put in the middle because a quilt is a sandwich. There's a beautiful top layer, Mm -hmm. there's the wadding in the middle and there's the underneath. It's like a pizza sandwich. So if I don't have that, I'll have to buy that. But the fabric itself, no. Um, I have noticed in the village here, there's a wonderful receptionist who knows which people have whatever hobbies, knitting, crochet, fabrics, 
she will contact them to advise that there's a stesh available because somebody has gone to the next stage of their lives, maybe in full care or maybe assisted care, and they no longer want their stash, which I normally turn down. But since joining the Country Women's Association in New Minor Beach, I now will take beautiful fabrics and make things for them, like aprons or whatever, to raise money on their sale tables. Yeah. So I haven't bought anything. <laughs> it's been donated. Yep. But oh, I awesome. turn a lot of it down. I don't want any more, thank yeah. you. <laughs> so you must have travelled to the Central Coast with quite a bit of fabric at the time. Uh, no, that all started on the Central Coast. All right. Um, I mentioned I was doing creative embroidery earlier. Yeah, yeah. So that's more threads, hundreds of threads, all yeah. different types of threads. And that's what I excelled in then. And I mentioned they were displayed in boutiques and galleries. When we came to the Central Coast, we were both retired. Yeah. yeah. What do I do now? And I thought friends of mine bought fabrics and cut beautiful, expensive fabric up to make miniature doll's house furniture or clothing or whatever. And I thought, you're mad. But... <laughs> When you start, you become addicted. So here I am. <laughs> I really started that. Cutting up year. perfectly good fabric and exactly, <laughs> and it all began because my daughter that lived in Carryong was having her first child. So I was able to get hold of a piece of the um, trimming for her nursery, which had a little teddy bear sleeping on the moon motive and I copied that exactly in the colours in furnishing fabrics because I didn't know they were patchwork fabrics and I made a cot cover and, and a little cushion for her room and that started everything. I didn't know how to quilt. I knew how to patchwork which is the piecing together but not how to make the sandwich and make the quilt. I went to an exhibition at Edogawa Gardens which I don't think was that at that early stage of living on the Central Coast. And I asked a person to please help me, what do I do with this top piece of the quilt? And she was the right person to ask. She showed me the right techniques and how to do it, and it just snowballed. That's when I learned there were specialist places to go to buy patchwork fabrics. Before that, I was using anything and everything that suited the colour. Yeah, yeah. There you go, when the student's ready, that the teacher appears. It. That's what started it, yeah. cutting good stuff up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. So what advice would you give to others who might be looking for creative ways to get engaged and active? I don't think you're ever too old to do something. Um, things might slow you down. For instance, I had a car accident three years ago and it pinches my back nerves and I've got carpal tunnel in my hands, so therefore I can't knit, I can't crochet, I can't do things with my hands, which you would call handwork. But I'm bloody good on my sewing machine. My sewing machine is like an extension of my right arm. Mm -hmm. Nobody has said to me, you can't do it, so I do. Nobody teaches you what to do, so I invent something. With the Tea Cozy Expo, coming up on the long weekend, the theme was African safari. I have nothing African, 
So I invented what I thought would be African fabric or African motives after looking it up on Google. I think it works. Have you ever tried YouTube too? Is it, no. I, I find YouTube's good for me because I can watch video and... Um, how to do things. Yeah, and visually... Yeah, visually well, get, get I them. had to find out how do you make a tea cosy. Mm. I don't own one. I've never owned one. I couldn't buy a pattern anywhere physically by walking in and, and looking for them. So Google's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you describe some of the creations, the, the beautiful creations that you've made from your leftover scraps and, and any that have been your personal favourites? Only of scraps? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I, I don't necessarily mean uh-huh. to limit it to that. Well, my major work that I completed for TAFE is called a three-dimensional soft sculpture. I saw a photograph of two baby owls in a tree hollow on the back of a book about birds. And the challenge was making your own patterns and putting down the working order with samples as you do when you're doing a TAFE course during that three months period. And I loved that challenge. I liked the challenge of the Kyoto Water Gardens, which was a Japanese challenge using the Quilters Guild fabric and making the quilt in the size that every other entrant did. And I came third in the open section, to my surprise. Um, I loved that challenge. Um, I find everything a challenge, but nobody said you can't do it. What, um, when you said something about the Quilters Guild, is there, is there like criteria you've got to stick to with regard to the Quilters Guild or something? Is no, that... you can be a first-time entrant, you can be advanced. There's many different sections. There's handwork, there's machine work, there's computer work, um, many, many different sections that you can enter. Oh, there's also professional and there's amateur, and I'm amateur because I've never earned money for it, but my work's professional. Yeah. How does someone get involved in the Quilters Guild? You make inquiries and go into the city to join. But now, since COVID, I think you can do a lot of things online, do they call it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, their library is very extensive. And in the first years of my joining, I used to borrow many library books. And um, they heard and saw my passion. And I was asked to take things in a huge suitcase and do a little talk and after that they asked me to do a demo to their girls because I was experimenting all the time. I still experiment now. <laughs> Can you think of something that um, that you learnt from experimenting that you wouldn't normally learn if you hadn't experimented? Yes. One of my tea cosies has a baboon and from the photograph on Google of a real one, there or hair isn't smooth it's ugly and straggly and whatever and I had to work out with doing a couple of little samples how do I make the stitching look rough and rugged and I think I caught it and how did you do that if you don't mind sharing well the picture that you looked at earlier of my clogs my Dutch clogs is neatly done and it's done in a zigzag stitch um, free motion wise. I don't think I need to explain this. People can ask me yeah. if they contacted me. Um, it's all very neatly done 
and it's smooth when I'm doing the stitching. But with the baboon, I was very rough holding my hoop from left to right and moving it roughly so the stitches were all different sizes and I moved it in every direction so that the hairs don't look nice and soft and smooth. Oh, yeah. Messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just what I wanted. It worked. I changed the needle twice. I smashed it <laughs> twice. Uh, yes, but it was good. Mm. You mentioned uh, the Quilters Guild in New South Wales. Could you tell me more about the ex your exhibition pieces from over the years and the prizes you've won? And the prizes. Well, the certificates are all on the wall in, yeah. in the back room. It's very hard. Um, I've got an album with photos in it. I just can't remember exactly which ones now unless we go yeah, in and get yeah. it and I bring it out. But I've entered them at Maxville. I've entered them in Oberon, all sorts of places. Oh, the one that I do recall, which I was very pleased about, do you remember when the Sydney Royal Easter Show moved from its site and went to Homebush? Do I you do. recall that? I did go to the Royal I'm yeah. old enough to have gone to the Royal yeah. Easter Show before it before moved to Before that, yes. right. Well, Noel and I decided we would enter our things into the very first Homebush exhibition so oh, yeah. that I could keep the paperwork for my nine grandchildren. My husband used to do marquetry and beautiful work and he entered his. He won the first prize in the wood, working with wood section and I didn't believe it but I won a first prize for my surfing quilt which I'd made up from lots of fabrics put together. I even went to a surf shop and borrowed a surf magazine, which I found very yeah. crude and rude. Have you ever read one? <laughs> but the photos of the people surfing was fabulous. So I drew the pictures exactly in the positions of them balancing on their board, cut out the fabrics for every part of their body and the board and put them in my finished picture. It won first prize at this Easter show in that section, but it even won the overall of all the handcrafts. And the funny thing, we'd entered just to get the paperwork for my grandkids. Yeah, yeah. That was a very exciting time. Because mm. obviously it was a surprise. Yes. That was even before I joined the Quilters Guild. Yeah, right. So that was all experimenting yeah. without all the knowledge, but it worked. Boy, have I learned a lot since then, though. <laughs> we see you at this. Have you ever done anything with the Easter show? Because I know um, we went to this show this year and there's oh, fabric textile mm. stuff and that. Do you do anything with the Easter show? Have you done anything with the Easter show Not, in more recent years? No, I haven't because I don't walk very well yep. and I can't walk for a long time. Um, I haven't been to the show oh, for many years, probably 13, 14 years now. I always enjoyed it. What about entering any of your work? Would you look at entering any of your work? No, then? I haven't. No, because during those years when my husband was sick, I wasn't creative. I was flat, mm. feeling very flat. But I still did things. Uh, I was active. I, I did line dancing and I walked from Kincumber down to Davistown, have a coffee, walk back. But yeah. I can't do that physically anymore. Yeah. So I tend to be more creative with my hobbies. Oh, that's good. So you sort of might have even touched on this already, but what has been your most challenging textile project and what made it so challenging? 
What would you think would be most challenging? Would it be those owls? Probably, probably. But also, when you go to some of the beautiful exhibitions where people put their work in, you get very excited by them. But I never thought, oh, I can't do something like that. But you never like to copy their things. And I find it hard if someone gives you a topic and then you have to stick to it and you've got to have the right size, you've got to have the right colours. Like Say if it was a, a bushfire scene, I'm thinking oranges, yellows, blacks, greys, all that type of thing. I suppose my biggest challenge is to make fabric look like moving water, like the surf or like a waterfall. But I managed to get a couple of those things done. What were those projects that you did that for? Um, the waterfall was one with the creative embroiderers and I used a lot of bridal veiling scrunched up to make foam and a lot of stitching. Oh, and, and what about my outdoor installation of an Amica Man at the Peoplescape? That was a challenge. Oh, I can imagine that would be. Yeah, yes, that was a challenge. Um, I had to get her permission to make the frog, which was more or less a symbol of hers, and experiment how you make wattle fluffy. They were quite impressed with it at the time, and there was a very nice article on how I did each floral unit for the Peoplescape figure. And I got a phone call from South Africa from a woman wanting to have instruction on how to make that wattle. Would you believe it? Oh, yeah. And that was an invention of mine. Um, I wrapped the yellow wool around my finger and made little coils, stitched them down under yellow tulle and then cut some of the yellow tulle away so that the wool fluffed up through the little holes. Yeah. I mean, who gives you instruction on how to make these things? What made you come up with the idea of doing that? Like wrapping around your finger and... Well, when you had a look at the little owls in the tree hollow, did you notice the feathers? No. Uh, no, I'm going to say, I can't, I can't recall. Do you know how to make pom-poms for beanies? No, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. Well, I did a bit of lateral thinking and thought, when you make pom-poms, you have two circles of cardboard with a hole in the middle and you thread the wool around it yeah. and you, you tie it off in the middle and then you cut it and fluff it up and it makes a little ball. Yeah. Well, I didn't want a little ball, so I thought, okay, wrap the wool around my fingers, hang on to it, stitch it down, cut it and then fluff it up and put it on feathers. It worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good fun. That is, that is. And it must be quite nice to think you're impacting someone in South Africa as well. Yeah, like, it was you know, great. It was um, really, your works, really your good. Works yeah, it was beyond good Australia. It was good. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah. I've read and you've mentioned her already in this conversation um, that one of your textile heroes is... An, Anamika Mean. Anamika Mean, thank you. Um, who is also a Dutch-born Australian like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, her book that she wrote in 1992 is said to give a rare insight into the creative process that is necessary for producing works of art that delight both the artist and the viewer. Can you share what your creative process is for producing works of art 
that delight both the artist and the viewer? Oh boy, it's it's very difficult and unnecessary to liken me to Amika and Amika. She's such a beautiful professional person. She studies biologically every insect, bird, plant, and she draws beautifully and she does the most wonderful corporate creations. I love the stuff she does, but I need a reference, a photo or something or a real thing that I will photograph myself and I go from there. That's the only thing I can do. I'm not a person who can draw or have a blank mind and start. I need a reference. Yeah. And do you have the... um the viewer in mind like how do you I do. How, how do you how do you yeah. perceive and how do, what's your thoughts around having the viewer in mind when when, when viewing something things. when you're doing it well for instance with these tea cozies i've never owned a tea cozy in my life i've never made one in my life and i had to go to google to to youtube to to find a pattern because they were unattainable in the central coast then knowing that I had nothing to suit, I can't think what you call it, when you're given the details of what you have to do, for instance, like African safari, and you have nothing, and you want to enter that exhibition on behalf of your Country Women's Association, you want to do something that will hit people in the eye. And I thought, well, bright colours. I've, yeah. I've been to a wonderful Mother Africa circus at Laycock Theatre and I remembered the colours. So I made what I thought would be an African village and I made what I thought would be African fabric. And I think all these things will appeal to the people who go to that exhibition and view. I didn't do it just for me. I mean, what am I going to do with five tea cozies anyway? Without a, without a teapot. Oh, <laughs> without a large teapot. I've yeah. only got a small teapot for yeah. just me. Yeah. But yes, I did all these things for people to look at. And if, if we're lucky, they'll sell them and the Lions Club will make some money. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned to the Country Women's Association. Yes. Are you you're part of the Country Women's Association? And, and how I've does, recently how joined the one at Umina Beach, yeah. and they're a fair, very friendly group of people. Um, they do. They don't only do tea and scones, you know. And I didn't know whether anyone living in Kincumber was eligible because I didn't know what is someone who would join the CWA. And it's been great. They're the ones who got me going with the challenge of doing handcraft again. All right. Mm. Through COVID? Uh, No, I've only been a member for six months. All right, cool. I was doing face masks. I was doing blankets, a whole lot of things in my village. But the creative side was when they have a fundraising table and you think, well, I can do something different to what all those other women are doing. And that's what I did. What? How does the Country Women's Association work and, and someone get involved in it? Well, within my village, there are older people only. Yeah. There are mostly women, not many men. I find it's not a natural place for me in that sense. I like um, young people. I like old people. I like straight people. I don't mind gay people. I like everybody. But 
I don't enjoy just being within the walls of a retirement village. So I do go down to seniors groups at Etalong and I thought, well, I want something different than just playing cards or whatever I was doing yeah. to keep my brain active. I want to do something else. And I went to visit, which any, any woman can do, and in fact the family can join. Children can too. Yeah. They have lessons on how to cook the exact perfect scones, pickles, chutneys, cakes, you name it. Yeah. They have to be exactly to their exacting methods and quantities and you can't do it another way by adding a pinch of ginger or whatever to it. It has to be for their competitions exactly right. And I laughed my head off at the first Saturday demo that I went to and was told to sit down and behave myself. Uh, this is not how I work. I invent even my cooking. <laughs> I'm yeah, very yeah, creative yeah, there too. Yeah. So there's cooking, there's competitions with um, knitting, crochet, uh, like the Easter show on a small yeah. version. They study a particular country. For instance, last year was Latvia. They, they have meals where they will have a... a a luncheon to raise money where they're dressed in their, those Latvian clothes, decorate in that way, all the Latvian food. Um, it's very interesting what they do do. Yeah. They change um, acts in parliament to help abused women, all sorts of things. I can't yeah. think of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a very interesting thing. I think you'd like to great, interview great somebody, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think oh, that sounds would, wonderful. Mm. You would like to interview one of those yeah, people. Yeah. Mm. They have away meetings for a conference where they discuss things um, for New South Wales and for Australia. And they even have a worldwide conference where people can go to as well. That's great. Scones, I know everyone, everyone at home everyone loves, knows, it. loves the scones. Everybody <laughs> knows from the Royal Easter Show that their scones and tea are the best, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot more to it. A yeah, lot yeah, more to it. The, mm. the impact would be amazing, mm. definitely. Positive, definitely. They do a lot for women. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, Abused I can women, imagine. all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah no, it's wonderful that there's an association like that that has that impact. What role do you think creativity and art can play? because I believe this has obviously had a big impact on you yourself um, in promoting mental and emotional well-being, especially as we get older. Well, does my place look like a little old lady's house? No. No, it doesn't. Well, this is, I suppose, because I don't want a stack of everything that perhaps I used to have when I was alive because guess who has to clean it out? My kids or my grandkids. Um if I don't dust and keep my place clean, at least it's always tidy. And even if I don't plan what I'm going to have for lunch or for dinner, I know it's there because every now and again I'll have a cooking spree and it'll be in my freezer and I can feed 10 people if they had arrived on my doorstep. I think that's all to do with mental health. Um, I'm happy. Yes, I'm alone. I mean, I'm a single person, but I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of things I love to do. 
I like to garden, I like to do fabric things, I like to do as much walking as I can, which isn't much. I love sitting outside in my little Japanese garden and just listening to the birds and scaring that brush turkey away (laughs) (laughs) and just do normal things. But I need also to mingle with and speak to other people. I think that's part of being mentally healthy too. Mm. And, um, you know, if I can, I'll talk to the kids going home from high school. Sometimes they'll stop and have a word, but usually (laughs) 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 a funny look, you know. Mm. Is that the sort of thing? Yeah, well, what and and what, um, obviously you didn't, you didn't, um, you've mentioned you didn't do creative um, for quite some time after your husband passed away because um, you felt quite flat. Yeah. And, And I can only assume that. The act of starting to do the creative textiles again and the community that's surrounded with that plays a massive role in your own mental mm. well-being and, mm. and things and your advice like around that like how, how did you go like, uh, what, what made you go from being um, flat being flat to, to taking on the creative what was that instigator that, that made you realize that you couldn't be flat anymore and that you wanted to Ooh. Not be flat anymore. When when Noel died, I was happy that he had died because that Alzheimer's was horrific that time. Mm. Um, and I tried to keep myself fit. I went line dancing twice a week and I did a lot of walking and I loved swimming. I still love swimming now and I can do um, all my physio exercises in the heated pool within the village, but I still like swimming. So I'll swim a few laps of that. Um, Then if you're down at the waterfront and you were feeling it, and I was feeling a little bit flat, you'd watch the um, swans, you'd watch the the seagulls fighting, you'd, you'd watch people with children in prams or with skateboards. Everyone would smile, everybody would talk to you because I'd chat to everybody and that picks you up and all the time your brain is taking in the scenery. And since I got my iPhone only two years ago actually, I had a normal mobile but I would still take photos and you'd look at the photos and you think, I could make that picture, or I could do this, or I could do that. And on holidays, I would take pictures of tree trunks and leaves with lichen and funny things nobody else would. Mm. Then I'd come home and, and make just one little sample of something. So I guess that was the beginning of getting back to being creative. But you don't stop home and watch television and sit on your backside all day. You do things Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really matter what. Um, I loved reading but I never could do it in the six years that Noel was sick but I do it now. Yeah. But I won't sit for more than one and a half hours because older people get too stiff and we're told don't sit for a long time. Yeah. So I try to do what I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) Except for when it comes to being creative and you want to break out of your skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you do what, you, what you've been told not to do and your poor yeah. sewing machine, you can hear it. Ah! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Breaking those needles. Yeah. Lastly, what would you say to someone who believes that they are too old or incapable of starting a creative project like what you do? Um, 
or picking up anything later in life? Have a go, really have a go. Um, there's one lady in her 90s who had one of those hearing implant things put in and when she went for her test and told her that she'd be a good candidate, she said, but I'm too old. And they said, you're never too old to have an implant. So she did. And she said, it's wonderful. She can hear every single thing that's going on and she can talk to people again for the first time in years. And I'm, I mean, some people are perhaps going blind, um, but you can still mingle with people and you can still talk about things. I mean, you've lived a life. You can give something to people. I'm very happy and, in fact, excited to show people how to do what I do if anybody wants to contact me. I'm quite yeah. happy about it. But some people that I had a problem with and I put my foot in it being a brand new member of the CWA and I could see she was using rotary cutters very, very dangerously. They're the razor-edged blades we use when we're cutting our strips of patchwork fabric. Yeah. And I went up and said, could I help you be safe? Can I show you what you should do to be safe? And she said, no, no, I've done this for years, I'm fine. So I zipped my mouth and sat down and didn't say anything again. But later on, she cut a finger. And if you don't look after yourself, you could drop that thing and cut off a toe. Mm. I've heard of that happening too. So you just have to play it cool. But I'm quite happy to help anybody if they ask about creativity with the field that I'm in anyway. Do people reach out to you? you know, like, how, oh, did they, the, how did the lady in um, South Africa reach out to you? That was from an article that I'd written in one of the creative magazines. Yeah. 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 Mm. There you go. Mm. And do you still have people reach out to you now, like through various means? like? They, I do, I do, but I don't belong to a group anymore because they might be in the evening. Yeah. Because those people in the evening would probably still be younger and working so yeah. they could spend the money on things. Yeah. Whereas the older ones use mostly what they have and yeah. they would meet in the daytime. But the daytime ones I've found aren't as creative as me. The evening ones are. And I don't like to drive in the dark anymore around all those winding roads yeah, to yeah. get back home. And besides, it's cold. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, especially at this time of year, nice yeah. winter. winter. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for inviting me into your home to share your story and hopefully inspire others to pick up a needle or a brush, actually, or, or anything mm. for that matter that interests them later in life. Mm. And look forward to seeing more of your creations at exhibitions across the Central Coast. Thank you. Coffee with the Coastie is brought to you by On The Coast Publications, the publishing house for On The Coast families and On The Coast Over 55 community magazines on the central coast of New South Wales.